everyone. Welcome to Backstory Sessions. I'm your host, Matt. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome you to this episode of Backstory Sessions. I'm joined today by my co-host, Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, Kat. Hey, everyone. How are you? Well, Matt, today we have uh, not just the two of us. Yes, that's right. We have our friend, Corey Taylor, uh, with us. Yes. So, um, you know, people may remember that we had a little contest of, um, you know, having some guest host uh, you would get to host an episode with us and um we have had Corey actually as a guest before so um it's kind of strange the way this turned out to be but um <laughs> the, the winner of our contest um he was not able to do co-hosting uh, because of scheduling conflicts so um Corey had actually reached out about, um, you know, giving us a lead on another guest. And I knew that we had this particular guest that we're going to have today on. And it just was like a light bulb moment. You know, it was like, oh, wouldn't it be great if Corey could, you know, (laughs) like we're looking for a guest host and, um, you know, it just all fell into place. Yeah. And of course, you know, I ran it by you after the fact. Right, but, uh... of course, yes. I'm always the last <laughs> to know. <laughs> hey, we have an episode and Corey's going to join us. <laughs> yes, but that's because you were asleep, you know, and I didn't want to, like, right, yeah. disturb you. Uh, but I knew that you would agree with it and think that it was, you know, a brilliant idea as it was. Yes, of course. I mean, I, lo- I love talking to Corey. Um, she's, uh, you know, one of one of my favorite guests uh that we've had on her and mason and uh jonathan and a couple others um always good to get to talk to her so maybe you should introduce her well i think you did that but (laughs) (laughs) this is Corey taylor and she is guest hosting Corey, i'm so happy to have you back with us and to be on this side of the you know, I don't know if this is the dark side or, uh, <laughs> you know, um, the side of light. So, you know, which, dark which to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks for having me. I, you know, you, you did reach out and we were talking about another um, potential story and you, <laughs> you said, how would you like to guest host and or co-host? And I was like, um, what like because <laughs> something i've you know never thought of and, and quite honestly never you know not sure how great i'll be but any chance to talk to the two of you all about it so here i am well thank you well i mean you know you know what we've been doing pretty much nothing has changed too much but um there have been some changes with you so um you know, why don't you update the listeners just a little bit from when we talked to you last, you were in the classroom teaching, and now 
um, now I am not. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I think 2021, it was it was a year for, for everybody in different ways. And, you know, for me, it was it was a big year of change. Um, so I think the last time we spoke, I, I had the bus. Um, since yeah. then, we, yeah, we sold it. We sold the bus. Um, yeah. I know. I don't, I don't know if I told you all that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so we, we did sell the bus, and it, we enjoyed it, the time we had with it, um, but I think for us anyway, it was, you know, we didn't use it as much as we had hoped, and we plan sometime, who knows when, to build a house, and um, prices are through the roof right now, and plus I've also just quit my job, so, you know, there was just, we sold the bus, we, we had a good offer, um, and then since then, I, I still live on the farm, and have my chickens and um, we've got a puppy since then um oh, but then uh, yeah the the big story here I guess is I did I did leave teaching um at the end of December so I'm no longer in the classroom wow well oh, that's a lot of stuff yeah um you know I am just taking it all in <laughs> Yeah, same. I uh, me as well. <laughs> I, I feel, uh, yeah, because this... you know, December. I mean, this is really just fresh, freshly happening. Uh, basically, I mean, yeah, it, and it's. I I was nervous, of course, especially with the end of the middle of the year. Um, but as every, I mean, ask anybody, COVID has changed things, and so the classroom, it's. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't 100% um, uh, happy, I guess, would be the, like, I, I reflect back on my years of teaching, and the passion I had was starting to fade a little bit, and, and there were different factors for that, um, but when it boiled down to it, um, I was doing myself a disservice, the students, the school, and so, um, just because the passion wasn't there, um, like it had used to be, and so for me, it was best to step away, and I feel like this might be a season of change for me in my life, and so um, I'm just kind of diving headfirst into that change, and we'll see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and certainly this episode today is a great place for you to jump right in, I feel like, because, um, you know, our guest has uh, got a lot of similarities to you. I, I feel like we're going to explore some of those as we um you know get further into the interview who is our yeah. guest this week Kat? <laughs> yeah well i mean you know th this is um a person i i didn't know that you had sold you know the bus but um it's a it's a very similar kind of experience of that renovating of something into making it something you know new and exciting repurposing it i guess mm -hmm. so um and also the farm connection you know food farm uh i, I just feel like this has all come together like the universe has said <laughs> you know this is how this episode should be yeah that's been my whole um thing the past month or so is trust the universe and again I never expected um to be asked to guest host um like uh, you sent that I was like what I should, <laughs> I should, I should have lost it Does she not one? you know but 
and you know with the way things are in my life I thought you know let's go for it let's see how it goes and I'm, I'm super excited to to talk to the guest yeah it should be it, it should be interesting um I know he has a uh, pretty cool concept for uh uh you know what he's doing and uh I'm interested in hearing more about it and um you know Corey you gotta you gotta love what you do and if you you know if you're not loving it then like you know you leave it you yeah, love you're, it probably, or... you're probably better <laughs> off you know uh moving on to something else so i can't really can't really blame you there for wanting something new yeah yeah i feel like it was the, the right decision um and I, I know if you're a teacher out there and you're listening i get it it's tough right now so hopefully hopefully things will improve though yeah certainly hope that they will yeah uh and if they don't then uh we've just encouraged a lot of people to walk up to john so uh, (laughs) exactly (laughs) well we do what we can to help you know (laughs) that's right that's what this podcast is about the the Uh, 2022 teacher shortage will be blamed on us you know You know, I'm actually going to, um, like, send all those to Matt and let him handle any <laughs> backstories that may come from. That's okay. Uh, got big shoulders. I can handle it. So, All right, Kat, who's our guest besides Corey? <laughs> our guest for today is David Leathers, and he is the owner of Foodsmith very clever name there yeah yeah uh and he has a mobile restaurant is that is that what i'm hearing it's a mobile dining experience okay all right cool yeah i'll be interested in uh in hearing more about that well let's get right into it all righty We are joined today by our guest, David Leathers, and he is the owner of Foodsmith. And David, we want to welcome you to Backstory Sessions. We're really excited to have you today. Thank you, Kat. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Corey. I'm glad to be here today. So a quote that I saw um, is that food creates some of the greatest memories and has the ability to bring back ones that have been long since forgotten. Um, So what's your earliest memory of food that's connected to, um, you know, positive memories? Well, I mean, I I grew grew up in the restaurant industry, you know, Uh, my father owned, um, um, he was he was in the food service industry. He didn't own a restaurant until like later in his career, but he, um, he kind of started first off with the food trucks, you know. So I, I, I tell I tell people that I worked in food trucks when I was little, you know, back in the '80s before you know food trucks were actually cool. You know, everybody it's the trending thing now. Everybody wants a food truck, and I was like, I'm never working in them in the '86, '87, '88, '89. You know, so. Um, you know, the, I have memories of, of doing that as food service, but I think my strongest memories, I think with, with everybody is either uh, a grandmother or some type of motherly figure like that. Um, I remember 
uh, being in the kitchen with my grandmother and, and watching her cook. And, and even till her late 80s, I mean, she was still in the kitchen cooking. And uh, I'll never remember, never forget. One, one day I, I used to curse word about her food. And I think it was, damn, grandmother, your food is getting better <laughs> as you get older. And, you know, she didn't thank me. She criticized me for saying, damn, you know. So um, I, I would really say that. And, you know, about the whole thing is uh, the greatest memories are preserved through food. Um, I think there's not a person on this earth that can't reflect on a memory and it's all brought through food. Um, we were talking the other day about the movie, uh, the Pixar movie, uh, Ratatouille, you know, right now it's, it's probably my year old's favorite movie to watch. And I think the greatest thing is that uh, the ego, the critic, you know, it's like, he's hard and, you know, it's all of a sudden he takes that one bite and it brings him back to that childhood memory, you know, that, you know, he kind of somewhat forgotten maybe and you know because of who he was as a critic but that one bite brought him back to that fondness and everything uh, being in the kitchen when he was young and stuff so I, like i said i don't think there's a person on this earth that doesn't have some type of memory you know through food um so where was home where did you grow up where was the food truck and so i always told people tupelo mississippi because most people in the world knows who Tupelo, Mississippi, due to uh, a man in the music industry that was born there, Elvis Presley. Um, and right. But I'm originally from a little small town right outside of Tupelo called Fulton, Mississippi. So I was born and raised uh, in, in northeast Mississippi. So. Okay. And so um, the cooking memories, I know you mentioned your grandmother. Uh, was that on, on your mom and your, your uh, dad's side? It's like cooking, you know, on both. What was what was funny is is like actually on my mom's side, it was more my grandfather that actually cooked, and then on my dad's side, it was my, more my grandmother. Which you know, that's kind of what we see in the food service industry. You know, it's more of a male-dominated uh, field. You see more men, men chef, which is totally changing, which I love, and I, I mean, I. I love seeing these these strong female uh, chefs that are it's rocking in an industry right now. So, but um, but yeah, it was it was it, my grandfather. He he was a great cook. Um, he was military. Um, then later in life, he became a butcher, and then he was just a great cook at home. And then my grandmother, she just was a great cook because she cooked. You know, it wasn't that she was ever in the industry or anything. So, so yeah. So, did you work um, in the food truck? Were you uh, did you have assignments that you did or? Yeah, <laughs> we did. Yeah, my brother and I joke did. Uh, we 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 kind of jokingly uh, joke about uh, uh, child labor, you know. <laughs> but I, I I will say this is that um, I, I have gratification for it because because it, it gave me a work ethic, you know, a really 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 strong work ethic to work hard for anything that I would ever want stuff. So, so yeah, we did, we did. And then um, I think my first job to really say that was not working for, you know, working for my father's business was, uh, I think I was, I think I was 14. I just maybe turned 15 and I, I worked at the kitchen at my, at my church and everything like that. So every Wednesday, every Wednesday I would help with dinner at the stuff, which was great too, because then all of a sudden was me working in a totally different um more commercial based kitchen where with my father it was a lot of prep 
and then we did the cooking when we actually got you know to wherever we were going to be setting up you know if it was a parking lot for some business or if it was a flea market or, or some type of festival or something like that so it was totally different you know so um so did you know early on this was something that you were going to do career-wise not at all not at all um it, it just was it just was second nature to me so that you know we were in the kitchen we were working this and that um i would really say that throughout my life i mean like any kid you you go through these career paths and things that you want to be and stuff um i started running uh probably i guess when i was in my teens and all the way through high school and stuff. So, um, so I actually thought probably I was going to go to college on a on some type of track or cross country scholarship, and then around about I guess seventeen ish, um, maybe probably my my junior year, maybe beginning of my senior year, I started thinking about culinary school, and I was like, you know, I kind of actually like this, and um, and then all of a sudden, uh, made my decision probably halfway through uh, my senior year that I wanted to go to culinary school. So where, where did you go to school? So I went to culinary school in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh, so, okay. um, I, I wanted to get away <laughs> <laughs> and, and my mom was, uh, not that keen on me getting away, but, uh, she had family, um, actually that lived right outside of Pittsburgh. So she was okay with, I guess, her baby going, going to where if, if I needed something, I could call those family members and they, they would be there to help me and stuff. But mm -hmm. yeah, I went to Pennsylvania Culinary in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Off, so. to, off to the big city. <laughs> it was, it was. It was a, a little bit of a culture shock, but not, not too bad. You know, uh, we, we, we'd traveled throughout my life and everything. That was one of the things my, my parents were, they wanted uh, is for my brother and I to kind of travel and see the country and the world so, uh, to, to know that there's something else out there and that we, we could go, you right. know? So, because I mean, we, we see it all the time. I mean, nothing against small towns, but we see people that, that, you know, are born in that small town. They live in that small town and they die in that small town and they never go out and see the world and see how big it actually is. Mm. So. Yeah. So what was the, the, did you see any food differences uh, from Tupelo to Pittsburgh? Oh, oh definitely. 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 I mean, it's, it, you can, you can, I mean, we were talking about this last week, you know, it's uh, you can, you can be in South Carolina and you can just see the differences of barbecue, you know, and, and just a little bit of a region and stuff. So, so definitely I saw a big difference. Uh, I think one of the things that stuck out more than anything else, and that's what you always have to get if you're in Pittsburgh is a Pimani brothers sandwich. And oh, you're yeah. not familiar with Pimani brothers. That's cheesesteak on Italian bread with coleslaw and french fries and tomato and that's <laughs> all on the sandwich we're not saying those things are separate we're saying that is the sandwich <laughs> so so that's a definitely an experience uh pittsburgh experience so. yeah i'm from new york and uh now i'm here in kentucky and uh you know try finding pizza here cat <laughs> <laughs> are you there yes do y'all hear that yeah. Not quite sure what that is. I didn't hear anything. Is it, it me? It sounds like a lawnmower type <laughs> or generator or something. Oh, that's not me. <laughs> oh, it, it sounds like my wife typing. <clears throat> like she's like this typer. That's what yeah. it sounds like to me. That is weird. I can't figure out yeah, what it is. Yeah, I can't hear it. <laughs> hmm. 
Hmm. You don't hear it either? I do hear it, yeah. Is um, it me? Should I, let me, should I try to take it off my Bluetooth and see if that helps? Yeah, let's try that. Let me see. It immediately that was it. stopped. Yay! <laughs> it's me. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Because no, now I'm, I, now you, you join it, join in, holding the phone. Because that's what. I, I think they'll never invite me back. Like. <laughs> so. All right. Where were we, Cat? Uh, yeah. So Primanti Brothers. That's uh, pretty good stuff. I've been to Pittsburgh yeah. a number of times, and uh, it's certainly something that you have to do. De definitely, and, 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 and a little bit, a little bit, like I said, you know, not too much, not too much of a culture shock, you know, everything, you know, and and I, I think I used my southern accent to my to my advantage, you know, all the guys would make fun of me, where are you from, and then all the girls would be like, oh my gosh, where are you from? <laughs> you know, so, so I definitely used my southern accent to my advantage. He's yeah. not from here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So um, the the quote uh, I don't know I think this was from culinary school, but um, you said that someone said like to find something that makes you unique as a chef. Um, so you certainly have done that I would think with um, food smith. Uh, yeah, I've always tried. How long tried. did it take you to? I know there's some other unique things that that uh, you do as well or have done. So. Um, are you just a unique person or was it? Uh, I would say people hard? that know me, so would say yes. Yes. Um, so if you, if you go on, if you go on Foodsmith, um, there is still, there's like a tab, a section of my website. Um, um, and it says carving. So, um, when I went to culinary school, I had a, I had a, really strong mentor that was like he was one of the culinary instructors and what he what he told me to do he told me to find and find a niche find something that makes me different as a chef and i loved food and i always loved art uh, growing growing up i always sketched in some way i normally loved to sketch with like a ballpoint pen like a black ballpoint pen and um and so we kind of talked about what the niche was going to be, and he asked me if I had ever seen fruit and vegetable carving, which um, most people asked me during this time when I was exploring uh, fruit and vegetable carving, had I ever been on a cruise ship? And I said, yeah, I'd have been on a cruise ship, and I'd seen like the Midnight Buffet and all the beautiful ice sculptures and fruit and vegetable carvings. And I said, yes, sir. He goes, I think that's your niche. And so, so I started buying books and started teaching myself. And um, and the problem was, and, you know, as I was kind of traveling throughout the states and then over to Europe, I was kind of teaching myself. But the problem was, is that through a book, they might show you three steps, where they probably should have shown you in twelve steps. So as right. a base beginner, it was really hard for me to to get through those steps and to understand. Um, so um, as I was self-teaching myself, um, chefs were acknowledging what I was doing, and they wanted to learn how. So I started thinking about this. I was like, well, all right, I could teach people how to do fruit and vegetable carving, but we, I reflected back on my learning, and I said, you know, um, I think if I show people step to step exactly how to do it, I think I could teach the base beginner how. And so I started thinking about the idea of doing uh, 
instructional DVD. So, um, so early 2000s, I, I released my first instructional DVD. And then with that DVD to teach people how to do fruit and vegetable carving, I was like, well, now the people need tools. And so, um, so I, I was one time doing an expo with um, a fruit and vegetable carver. And she told me, she said, um, she held up a paring knife and she goes, isn't it more impressive that I'm doing all the carving with one knife and I had this like 25 piece chisel set in front of me. And I said, yeah, it's, that, it is amazing. And she said, well, and so I kind of took that from that meeting of her and, and, and said, all right, I need to find tools. And so I approached, they're the uh, oldest and largest knife manufacturer in the country. And they're based out of Southbridge, Massachusetts. So they're called Dexter Russell. So I approached them in early 2000s to create uh, a line of knives, and and I did. Uh, from, so from 2000, uh, 2002, and still to date, I have a uh, like a private line of knives with Dexter Russell. So so what I did was from 2000, I'd say 2002 to 2012. Uh, well, let me say this: 2002 to 2008, my income was i traveled food shows all over the country for large food brokers and and, and expoing fruit and vegetable carving and so when i would be there i would be doing appearances and then i would have my dvds and my and my knives to actually sell so a lot of people in the industry actually don't know me for my cooking what they really know me for is my fruit and vegetable carving i've been called the watermelon carver and the reason why that is because <laughs> You can go on YouTube and you can watch me and my record right now is two minutes and seven seconds. I can turn a watermelon into a rose with a paring knife. So. Yes, I, I was actually <laughs> watching those and I, it's pretty amazing. And that drum set is also like, uh, you know, I would like to have that. That's very cool. Too. Yeah, that was that was a um, that was a bride and bride's mother I met with and they said um, the groom is a drummer. And well, the first off, they said, all your carvings are beautiful, but the groom is a drummer and we would love to have a big fruit display to feed all the guests that came in fruit. But as the carving, we would like a drum. Now they said drum. Okay. They didn't say anything about drum set. And I just took it on my own because I had a childhood friend that was, was a drummer and had a drum set. So I knew the ins and outs of a drum set. And so I took it on my own and they created a whole drum set. And as you can see from the picture, it, it's bass it's drum. Amazing. And I bet they were like, <laughs> were they so happy with it? Oh yeah. And, and he didn't know anything about it too. And so oh. it was kind of like they came in and, and, you know, everything was a surprise and stuff. So, so yeah, I, I would say to date that goes down as probably one of my favorite, favorite, uh, uh, favorite carvings that I've done. So definitely top that. That's well, cool. I have this. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no! I, I was just saying that's really cool. I I saw the pictures of it. It's pretty neat. Yeah. yeah. So so I, I what I say about fruit and vegetable carving it's it's the know how and the know how is 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 once you get your knife you, is how to hold your knife you know how to hold your knife properly. The second thing is is the cuts and the shapes that you're going to make, and then after that it's it's really a uh, kid's imagination. Or a child's imagination. That's what I tell people. It's because I sometimes am looking at things, going, "How can I take manipulate that just a little bit and turn it into 
what I see as 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 a as a child as a, a child as a child's imagination. Um, I'll never forget. I was in Seattle, Washington, and um, I was at a large fruit broker show, and um, this lady walked up to me and she goes, "Okay, I'm a caterer, and I'm a crazy cat lady." Okay. And she goes, I want to know how to carve a cat. And I'm like, okay, yeah. all right. And I was like, I haven't <laughs> ever done a cat before, but all right. And so uh, I said, well, here, let me have your contacts. And I said, I'm going to start working on it in my studio when I get back home. And I said, and as soon as I get you something together, I'll, I'll shoot it out to you and everything. So, so I first started off with a cantaloupe and I did a head of a cat. And then from there, I then said, okay. That's great, but I'm not happy with it. I want it to be a three-dimensional cat. I literally want it to sit on the table and be looking at you. And so that's when I added four more cantaloupes to it and actually made the body and the feet and the legs and, and the tail and, and everything else and stuff. So, And then that ended up going on my second DVD, which was um, – the first DVD was just turning fruit into a live floral. And then my second DVD was actually fruit and vegetables into animals. So for more theme banquets and stuff. So I did a cantaloupe cat in the second DVD. So, so, so again, I mean, it's, it's really a kid's imagination looking at something and going, oh, I really want it to be that and, and just creating it and stuff. And then kind of, I always tell people, well, not really people. I always tell students when I go in to speak a lot of times at culinary schools, I say that a chef is a chef you really never know where you're going to go as a chef you know i i have done so many different things as being a chef uh, one of the things that i that i did and i think we were kind of talking uh pre-show about this was um i went so as a fruit and vegetable carving carver one of the cool things i have is like i was going into schools and i was trying to create a new relationship with with food with kids because i always say that uh, we don't have a problem with kidding, kids eating chicken nuggets. We have a problem with kids eating broccoli. And so what I was trying to do was going into schools and get kids to look at broccoli in a different way. You know, it's not broccoli. It's a little small tree, you know. <laughs> so so I always had a, had a term that I always said, I played with my food. You know, I said it was one thing my mom told me not to do that I did actually paid off. You know, it was playing with my food. And so, um, so I would go into these schools and I would do these, these sessions that were called palate building where I'd have like 20, 25 different fruits and vegetables out on the table. And what happened was I'd have the kids come up and I'd get them to try. So maybe they tried some type of apple. And so what we do is we'd write down the name of the apple and then we'd talk about it. Okay. Well, what does it taste like? Okay. Um, what, what does it look like? You know, and then we talk about, uh, three nutritions we talked about about vitamin a vitamin c and, and fiber so vitamin a was good for our skin and hair vitamin c was good for our immune system so we didn't get sick and then fiber was good for pooping and that always <laughs> happened laugh and they thought that was funny and you know because i always say this is that if you don't deal with if you don't include the number one ingredient which with kids is fun then you will not have them at all and everything so you have to include fun when you're dealing with them and so so we'd make it fun and and i would see these kids that would try things you know like i was at a boys and girls club one time and i'll never forget this little boy's name mckenzie and he said mr david he goes what's that orange stuff and i said mckenzie that's cantaloupe and he goes cantaloupe and i said yeah i said have you ever tried cantaloupe now being in the south i mean that's that's a staple and <laughs> in the summertime so, so to think to ask somebody if they've never had cantaloupe is seems like a 
you know, a broad question or a question, but I mean, you know, I asked the kid and he goes, uh, yeah. And I go, well, when, when, when you, when you, when did you, when have you tried cantaloupe? He goes, when I was a baby. And I said, well, Mackenzie, how old are you right now? And he goes, well, I'm 10. And I said, well, if you're a baby, you're the most of a year old. I said, now, you know, know about this. I said, stick your tongue out. So he stuck his tongue out and I said, you know, what's on our tongue. He goes, yes, yes, sir. It's taste buds. And I said, yes, taste buds. And I said, so every seven years, our taste buds change. So if you tried it when you were one years old, around about seven, your taste buds will change and everything like that. So, so, you know, one policy, and I had a policy with all these, uh, all these sessions I did with these students or these kids is that we called it spit paper towel. You had to put it in your mouth, chew it a couple times, and if you didn't like it, you could spit it out. I said, you know my policy. So he stuck the piece of cantaloupe in his mouth. He chewed it a couple times. He ran to the garbage can, spit it out dramatically, talked about <laughs> how gross it was, this and that. And I said, okay, great. You, you tried it. That's all that matters to me. Well, guess what happened five minutes later? Or guess what we caught about five minutes later? Mackenzie was over in the corner with a cup of cantaloupe, you know, with his chipmunk, chipmunk cheeks full of cantaloupe. And I said, look at you. You like cantaloupe. And he goes, no, no, I don't. No, I don't. So he, he denied it. But I thought you were going to say he got it out of the garbage. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. But he, he'd gone back to the table and got cantaloupe. And so and I even say I even say that with culinary students. You know, I ask culinary students, like, oh, what do you not like? Or is there anything you don't like? And they usually go, oh, I don't like you know, I don't like cauliflower. I'm like, well, you know, as a chef, guess what? You don't have that option anymore. You know, I always, when I, when I, when I owned restaurants, I always told my wait staff, I was like, unless, unless I have to step in, unless I have to stab an EpiPen in your thigh, try it. Because it's, you can't, how can you go out to the table and sell something to my guests if you haven't tried it? Right. You know, you could BS your way through it, but believe me, um, people understand, People know sincereness, you know, or, or honesty. And so that, I mean, it's like you got to go out to the table and you got to sell it and everything. So you got to try things. So I always tell culinary students, like, why are you not going to try that cauliflower just because you don't like it, you know, to try it to see if it's seasoned well and everything like that. And then all of a sudden you send something out to the table and they're like, oh, the chicken was great. Oh, the sweet potato was great, but the cauliflower was under season. And you didn't try it because the reason why is uh, you, you don't like cauliflower. So so that was the big thing was going into these schools and really building the palate building and getting kids to try things and to develop. Because I say this, a picky eater is created from one thing and one thing only. Now, this is a very controversial phrase. A picky eating kid is created from one thing and one thing only. A picky eating parent. Mm. And, and, and mm. it gets it chafes the skin of some parents and it does and the reason why i say this is because a kid doesn't come out of the womb going i don't like broccoli a kid usually doesn't like broccoli because they've never been given the opportunity to like broccoli right you know a picky parent oh i don't like broccoli so they never bring it into the household so the kid never gets the opportunity to try it to see if they actually like it or not so so for, to circle all the way back around when I started teaching myself fruit and vegetable carving in early 2000s, you know, or when I was developing fruit and vegetable carving in the early 2000s, I would have never told new, I would have never known that mid 2000s I was going to be going into schools. So that's why I tell culinary students, you'd never know as a chef where it's going to take you. 
you know, that Mai was using fruit and vegetable cards as attention getter for kids, developed this whole new food, our whole new relationship with kids. So, right. so I have just uh, really one question um, yes. and then I want to bring Corey in. Um, so you, you've had quite a journey up till this point, uh, you know, where like, it seems like you're always looking for new ideas and one thing builds to another um, branch for you. Mm-hmm. So um, take us to that moment when you, it, it pops into your mind or however it happens. Like, um, you know, I think I'm going to design a mobile dining experience. I don't know. You know, uh... <laughs> I think I think it was I, I think it was telling you earlier. Um, my preteens or my teens, I started running, and and when I'm out running, these these ideas just come. Uh, I was last week uh, talking to a friend, and we were really talking about that because we were we were um, we're working we're working on a new project, something new, and he told me he says go out and run. And he knew, he knew, I mean, he knows me. So he understood that he could just go out and run, you know, because he knows that some of my greatest ideas come from me when I go out and run, you know? So, um, so when they come to me, I don't, I'm not for sure. You know, it's just like, like I said, I guess when I'm doing physical activity and stuff and, and I never know where they're going to come, you know? So. Did someone say, well, you know, that's really pretty far out there. I don't, know if that's one of your best ideas oh yeah oh yeah and 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 i and i think i think i think you taking criticism is is a great thing and stuff but you know i always say that i I, every every day i uh, there's there's a reason for life and it's it's to learn something and that's learn something and also i'd love to teach something and so so uh i think some of the one of the greatest chefs in the industry i mean he said uh in an interview one time, he says he budgeted, uh, he budgets like a small percentage every year. But I mean, that per- small percentage, small percentage for his empire is, is is a large amount of money. But I mean, in return, he he budgets that every year for failure. I mean, it's like if you looked at his books, it'd be like, you know, one percent is to failure. And it's like, and he said the reason why that is is for him to learn. If you don't fail, you're not going to learn. So, so definitely, I mean, believe me, not all my ideas are great, but I've been very blessed to have some uh, very unique, very innovative ideas. So definitely. So Corey, I think this is a good time for you to join in. Um, you've traveled a lot, um, and we were, I know, talking about. This is a really unique thing that we really haven't seen exactly this, um, you know, Foodsmith mobile dining experience. Corey? You there, Corey? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I'm here. No, oh. I'm here. Okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just lied. I'm here. He didn't listen. Um, so, yeah, when I when I was invited to host, like, of course, I got on the Foodsmith Facebook page, and I, I was, like, checking everything out, and what really impressed me was, like, looking on the outside, it looks big, but also, like, I was, like, how do you fit that many people in there, and then when you show the inside pictures, like, 
it feels still intimate, but like so spacious, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like I could see myself with my friends going in there and eating and like just making these great memories over food. And, and I love what you said about like your memories with food and your grandmother, because I totally relate to that. Um, so I want to know like what went into planning the layout and where you're going to put everything and like the aesthetic. Cause it, it's just so, like I said, it's so intimate and, and welcoming. It's so beautiful on the inside. Well, I mean, first I'll tell you where, where the whole idea came from. So um, I, just like many chefs in 2020, uh, we had COVID and, um, and at the time I was a corporate chef uh, for a company and, um, and I knew it was, this was going to happen. And like I said, I, so many of my chefs in the industry lost their jobs, not only their jobs, lost their restaurant, this and that. So I knew it was coming. And, and so I got laid off um, during COVID and, and I looked at my wife and I said, hey, I have an idea. <laughs> and, and she believed me. She has no problem telling me if, if, it's, if it's a bad idea. I said, hey, I in the past had, had been kind of like a personal chef, had gone in and done um, dinners, not really the every day. Like not the day-to-day cooking, but but more going in and doing special events. And I said, I think I really want to be doing that and build a clientele base here, here in the Nashville area. I said, but I really think I want to create a facility. I said, you know, one of the biggest things that I had was when I would go in is that every time I went into a residence, it was cooking in a different kitchen. And I said, and that's one of the things that a chef loves about you know is they create kind of their own you know kind of flow and movement in the kitchen and know exactly where this is and that is and um and so i i told her i said i would love to create where i'm not because it, as a personal chef i was taking in a lot of equipment sometimes to two houses and everything so i'd love to have my facility to where i get that flow and i could be comfortable and so she goes so are you saying you want to build like a catering kitchen or a like a food trailer so you could have to where you could you know wherever you're going to be doing this you know private dinners you could pull it up and you can work out of it and then you would feed the people in the residence or or whatever we might be doing like a farm to table dinner and, and, and have tables set up outside i said no 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 i i think i really want to bring people into the trailer <laughs> and she goes what do you mean into the trailer she's like they're going to come in and watch it and i go no 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 I want them to come in and I want them to eat in there. Like I want them to feel like I've invited them into my house for the evening. Kind of, this is, you know, my, my kitchen and they're in David's kitchen and I'm I'm feeding them. And she goes, okay, not a bad idea. Let's, let's, you know, uh, let's start looking into this idea. And the, and the problem we had was when we started putting our business plan together, there was nothing out there, nothing at all. I mean, we we found uh, people that had like taking like old airstreams and converted them into bars where it was like a lounge where if like you know you had your you know whatever birthday and you wanted to have you and your girlfriends in um, in the you know you could have a little you know cocktail hour kind of lounge where you could come in and sit almost like a traveling bar. You know, or we found some people that had like cigar lounge and an old airstream to where, you know, if you 
a gentleman is having his 60th birthday and he wanted to have 11 of his friends to smoke cigars and drink good bourbon. You could hire it out kind of situation, but we didn't find anything whatsoever. And believe me, when we started getting in second stages of it, it was hard to get people to, to understand it. I mean, as simple as like getting a business license, you know, it's like, what do you mean? You know, it's just like trying to explain it to them exactly what you're, you're, you're going to set this up on the side of the road. No, 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 no. We're not going to set this up on the side of the road. You know, we pretty well know each time when we go out what we're going to be doing. Is that. And, you know, so it's not like we're setting up on the side of the road hoping that 13 people are going to come and eat. No, we're, 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 when we're pulling out, we know exactly what 13 people are, uh, what, what 13 people we're going to be feeding and what we're going to be feeding them and where we're going to be feeding them. So, um, so the first planning stage, so that, Getting this together, getting our finances locked down, got that all locked down. We got our bankers to understand what we're doing, what we're doing. The second thing was then find somebody to build it for us. And that was kind of difficult, I'll be honest with you, because your reason why was um, we could take an old trailer and we could refurbish it. That was not a problem. Um, I met with a company and our initial meeting was about possibly taking an old, old airstream and uh, and turning it into what our idea was. And right from the get-go, he said no. What do you mean no? He goes, I'm advise you against that. And the reason why that is is because an old retro trailer doesn't have the bones to support what you want. He goes, you're wanting to put in major kitchen equipment. Not only that, you're wanting 12 people, 12 plus people to come in to the trailer. He goes, it just doesn't have the bones. He says, an old Airstream, he said, awesome, beautiful, great. He said that they're an aluminum shell. And he said, so I'm advising you against that. And I said, well, what, 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 are you, what are you saying? And he goes, well, is there a trailer that you like? So in the past, when we talked to other fabricators, one of the things was is is we would talk about refurbishing but then we would talk about that whole idea also too of 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 possibly building something and you know and the problem like i said why it was difficult to find somebody is because no one wanted no pun intended but no one wanted to think outside of the box because everybody wanted to build me a box that's all they wanted they wanted to build me your typical looking trailer if we went with that route and so so this company again that we had our, our initial meeting with that advised me against airstream said hey again is there a trailer that you like and i said yes i said there's a trailer called airstream it was built in the 30s 40s and 50s uh, in california uh, and i said i love the look of this trailer so i sent him pictures and he said yeah i'm all about it so what we did was we scaled it to look like an airstream. I'm sorry, airstream air float. Um, one of the iconic things about an air float is is the round windows. So if you've seen any pictures of the trailer yes. on a product, you'll see the round windows. Um, that was a very iconic thing with them. Um, uh, so what we did was we built from the ground up with this company called Gorilla Fabrication out of Charleston, South Carolina. And with us building from the ground up, what it gave us was this is the bones like we were talking about in the initial meeting um just like a house every every 16 inches you have studs well 
now with with us building this tray with being bound up with these guys every 16 inches we have a two by two like still be so we have the bones and support to to have commercial kitchen equipment and we have 12 plus people on board and um and 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 and, and have this you know like i said the bones to sort of support that support that way because that was that was going to be weight that was going to be coming into it um another thing about us not uh doing an airflow i'm sorry an airstream is that if you know anything about an airstream an airstream is round so what we actually did was we went up and we did 90 degree angles and the reason why we did 90 degree angles is because with an airstream it being round it was going to make you kind of feel like you're in a kind of like a like a tunnel you know like a cylinder and and what you were saying earlier Corey, was you feel inviting and warm and so that um our first initial dinner we did um we have a, a term in the industry called soft openings so we kind of for one month did soft openings for friends and family just kind of work out the kinks and um and that was the first thing that was said is that um well number one my friend <laughs> invited too many people so <laughs> so 13 was supposed to be coming in and guess what actually 15 came in and 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 so uh in the middle of the dinner uh one of the gentlemen raised kind of raised his hand i guess he thought he was at school he raised his hand he goes mm-hmm. I, and i go yes john and he goes um he said exactly that he goes, I was worried when we were standing outside and I saw how many people were outside. And then once we came in and we sat down, he said it almost felt like the trailer expanded. You know, he says, I didn't feel closed in. I didn't feel claustrophobic and everything like that. He says, you know, um, so, yeah, yeah, I, I, I've heard that. And, and, and that's that's makes me smile because that has that was probably one of my biggest fears exactly that because we first originally were going to do um a 16 foot table in the center and we're going to have we're going to put 16 people around it so we're going to do eight on one side and eight other and then we cut down the table to 13 feet just due to space space reasonings and um and uh, now we have six people one side six on the other and then i saw that i had the capability of putting somebody at the head of the table so i thought it would be funny to to do 13. You know, mm-hmm. most people think 13 is an unlucky number. And, <laughs> and, uh, I like yeah. you know, it's a big discussion in the industry. And so I thought 13 would be funny. And I'll say not else in uh, my parties. I no one sits at that 13th spot, you know, because most people I do parties for are coming as couples. And so so normally it's always 12, you know, but every so often there's a 13th person. So hmm. I, I love it. And I, I love so when I think of like my best memories with my friends or my family, it's, it's always, it always involves food. Like it it always involves a meal or we've gone out somewhere. Like it just revolves around food. So I'm wondering, you know, as long as you've been doing this, are there any memories from inside the trailer? Like you're in there, you have people in there, any, any standout memories or things that happened or maybe something funny or unexpected, like you're right there. You're so close. So I just wonder any, any standout memories. Uh, oh, oh, definitely. I mean, this is this is kind of our 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 quote for for Foodsmith. We say Foodsmith is a mobile restaurant concept, a chef trailer. 
with the kitchen working exclusively for one table. And so with a maximum of 13, this chef-inspired dining experience is truly unique. And uh, we, we say, we bring the restaurant to you. There's, there's two words in that, in that paragraph, dining experience. And that is literally what we give you. We, yes, we feed you. Yes, we, you know, we serve food to you, but it's really the experience that we're serving to you into that. Um, averagely, my, my dinners are, are around about six courses. Um, normally the first course will come out or it's lately the first course has been going into the residence. Um, you know, and so what we'll do is like ask the people to say for, we have a starting time at seven o'clock, the people will, you know, arrive at six thirty, six forty-five. they're coming into the house. So what we'll do is we'll send the first course into the house. And so that's kind of like the cocktail hour. In here. So everybody's kind of figuring out their cocktail, figuring out what they're, what, you know, what they're going to drink for the evening stuff. And then, and then we usually serve, um, uh, like I said, an appetizer with that. And then people come in and then as they're coming in, there's usually a one bite, um, a fridge term, we call it mise bouche, which is, um, to use the palate. So it's usually one bite. Um, I love deviled eggs. So it's always the, the one bite is always a deviled egg. Um, <laughs> and, and, and my deviled eggs are, 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 it's a, the deviled egg is very neutral. It's just um, the egg yolk whipped with a little bit of Duke's mayo, salt, and pepper. That's it. Mm. But it's what I top it with. Um, I think right now the probably the the uh, the one that everybody is is ranting and raving about is we do a little bit of um, a fried pork belly and and then we do whiskey pickles on top. Mm. So it's a pickle that we I cure in a brown sugar clove. Um, uh, brine and then the last thing we do is we hit it with a little bit of uh, whiskey at the end so so then that's on top of it we did one just a couple weeks ago where we did uh, a fried chicken skin and a little bit of tennessee paddlefish caviar on top so uh and people are like fried fried chicken skin and caviar on this can. <laughs> and believe me, it, it worked it worked so um and then we usually go through four other courses we do uh, a salad we do an, um another app which a lot of times turns into a seafood course and um and then we do entree and dessert and, and a lot of people go six courses it's a lot but we really space it out and we do portions very minimal and stuff like that so i always feel like the people are just comfortable when they're when they're leaving so mm -hmm. so definitely so it's all like again it's all about the dining experience because every time each course comes out i'm coming out and i'm talking and i'm telling you exactly where i got the egg from exactly where i got the collard green from exactly where i got that uh you know cornmeal from that I'm making a certain cracker or I'm making cornbread or something like that from. So I'm coming out and I'm talking because that's a big thing is, is, is local agriculture. You know, I, I love it. The, 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 I love the term farm to table. What I don't like about the term farm to table or not what I don't like about the term, what I don't like about people saying, Oh, it's trending right now. It's not trending. You know, this is not something new. Uh, farm to table or local agriculture. This is something that we were doing when we didn't have grocery stores or we didn't have large fruit brokers. You know, um, I say all the time is that one of the things that's lost between, or what's a one of the things that's lost with chefs is that 
a lot of chefs don't know where their food is coming from. And so it's really easy to call a food broker and say, hey, I need this, 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 and this, where they're not going around and actually sourcing from local agriculture and knowing exactly where their food's coming from. So um, so a lot of my a lot of my prep is not about really actually prepping. My prep is really actually during the week going around to my farms and collecting what food I'm going to be cooking for the evening or going out and building this relationship with a new farm and, and knowing exactly what they can provide for me so that. And, and I say all the time, it's like my menus change from dinner to dinner. I mean, I'd say for the last couple of months, there has been some things that have really been trending um, or not really trending, but p- things that people are asking for right now. Um, there's an appetizer everybody's asking for, and then there's an, a salad that everybody's asking for. And right now, because those items are seasonal and I can get them, I'm able to serve that. But come spring, I'm, I might not be able to serve it due to I might not be able to get that one that one item and stuff. And to me, to me, that's what it's about. You know, it's about uh, what's what's what I can source local, what's sustainable at the time, you know, and what's in season. You know? I- and I, I love that. So I, I don't think I mentioned this to you, but I live on a farm and we have a greenhouse and we have hens that lay fresh eggs and we have mm-hmm. bees with honey. And like, like you said, I, it's not, it's not trending. That, that, that's been the way people have, have done things. And, and my grandparents always had a garden. And so I love that you have that relationship with your local farmers. And mm-hmm. when I was looking at your business Facebook page, there were three things that just like warmed my little Appalachian heart so much. <laughs> and you've already said one of them. You had a whole post about Duke's mayonnaise, which is a must at my house. <laughs> um, I saw cast iron skillets that were yes. seasoned beautifully, of course. And then you had black eyed peas for yes. New Year's. I, I love that. You know, you you have this awesome idea, and then you're bringing in this like southern heritage to it. And I just I thought it was so beautiful. And so one question I had is when you do work with, and I know it, it'll be seasonal, but like look, you go to the farmers market. It's it's the summer. What are your must haves? Like or like if people want to start going to their farmers markets and incorporating these fresh ingredients into their home, like what should they look for? And, and what are your must haves? Like what do you look for at the farmers market? For me at my house, it's it's the eggs. I have to have fresh tomatoes and then honey. Those are like my three must-haves. Yeah. Um, one of my must-haves is corn, but not, mm-hmm. not just not fresh corn, guild corn. I mean, that's a biggie of mine. You know, um, <clears throat> lately, <clears throat> excuse me, lately the, um, the course right before the entree, excuse me, the um, course right before the entree has become has become some type of grits. Um, yes, yeah, shrimp and grits, but lately I've been doing like uh, pork and grits. So doing this really beautifully braised um, pork um, pork bud, and then what we'll do is um, we'll um, put it together with a little bit of um, collard greens and then grits. And and everybody's like, oh my god, these grits are so amazing. There's a way I cook my grits. I do milk and i do water and i do salt and pepper i don't put butter i don't put cheese i don't put all these additives in it and everything like that because the reason why is is that i want you number one i want you to taste the grits i want you to taste the freshness of the corn you know um i uh, in my career i had a restaurant called um uh, forklift and um we had um, a lady that um, she had a company and she would call me on Friday 
I placed my order. She would grind on Sunday and she would deliver to my restaurant on either Monday or early Tuesday morning. So Tuesday night when we were making cornbread, okay, and people would go, oh, my God, this cornbread is amazing. I would be – it's because of my cornmeal. Like literally she ground it Sunday, you know, and we did a rotation where we did every other week. She didn't grind every week. So – so and, and we knew our par levels. So in return, it took – or not took – it um, – our, our cornmeal's never like we started knowing exactly how much we were going to go through, so we kind of kept it that way. To where when she would come and deliver on that Tuesday every other week, we would be almost out of cornmeal, and so our cornmeal was always never older than two weeks old, being freshly ground. Mm-hmm. So, so cornmeal and grits are are definitely two of my biggest things, and and that's the thing about it is i mean you know you're you're going to start knowing your meals i have a meal here locally now um in in here in the nashville area and they grind every other week <clears throat> i could buy cornmeal from them um for i could buy i could buy they do it in a 5 pound 5 pound um i'm usually at the farmers market every week so i don't buy in bulk i actually buy singly bagged and the reason why that is is because I know then if I buy in bulk, I could stretch two or three weeks before I need to buy another five pound. If I buy in single bags, and I know they ground this, it was ground this past week. So, so corn, corn, corn's definitely one of mine. I, I would agree with you, tomatoes. Um, but as you know, I mean, tomatoes are season. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'm not buying tomatoes right now. You know, I'm not because. There's nobody growing tomatoes right now. I mean, you can hothouse tomatoes and you can get them from, you know, at the store. But I mean, the store, we all know about those tomatoes. They don't taste like tomatoes. You, right. know? you know, if you've right. ever had a Cherokee purple, I mean, you'll never eat another tomato again out of season. <laughs> yeah. I, I just love it. I love that attention to, to D. De- and all that, like you're supporting your local farmers too. So I just, I think the whole thing just works so great together. That's awesome. Well, if, you cl- if you click on my website, um, if you click on my website, uh, feedsmithnational.com, I mean, the, one of the first things that comes up is a picture of black eyed peas and cornbread mm-hmm. and collard greens. Yep. And the reason why that is is because I get asked this question all the time. I don't know why this question is. What's if you're your last meal? What would it be? <laughs> what is the last meal? What would it be? You know, why? Why? You know, back when I was doing fruit and vegetable carving, the number one question I asked is, how often do you cut yourself? You know, it's that's not, not something I want to think about right now. <laughs> you know, so, uh, but the number one question to get asked is, what, what would your last meal be? My last meal would be black eyed peas, collard greens, and cornbread. That would be my last meal. And and, and, and somebody, if, if somebody ever asked me and said, you know, what would you cook that would, that would be you? And I would say black eyed peas, collard greens, and cornbread. And that's the, what I tell people all the time. It's like they go, what kind of food are you? And I say, well, if you go on my site, it says honoring Southern food with creativity. That's what I'm doing. I'm honoring Southern food with creativity. I love black eyed peas, collard greens, and cornbread. Now, what I like to do is I like to honor those ingredients by doing something that's creative and maybe a little bit modern. You know, um, I was talking about earlier one of my um, probably – most requested uh, appetizers right now is is a spicy pimento cheese with smoked peanuts, a whiskey honey, and cornbread crackers. So that is probably one of my and and that and we know about pimento cheese. 
peanuts are very southern but what i'm doing is here's a funny thing is like growing up and being in barbecue restaurants right now i'm adding smoke into my food where you least expect it so like so instead of like smoking a protein i'm smoking peanuts so so there's a local distillery and when i mean local literally five minutes away from my house my wife and i are very fond of one of their whiskeys, H. Clark, and they have a uh, whiskey called Tennessee Black and Tan. So the guys called me not long ago and said, "Hey, we got a we got a barrel that we're dumping. Do you want do you want this barrel?" And I was like, "Because they knew I wanted a barrel." And I said, "Yes." And the reason why I wanted that barrel was just because after it was dumped is because there's still whiskey in that in especially after they just dumped it. You know, there's still whiskey that's in that wood. And so what I did was I broke down that barrel cut it into pieces so what i could do is take those pieces of the stave and and actually incorporate it into food i cut those pieces also to where i could start using to smoke and so those peanuts i was talking about the smoked peanuts are smoked with their the whiskey uh, i'm sorry the whiskey barrel and then the honey and i love it that you brought up you like you have bees so my brother's a beekeeper and so i get beautiful honey from him um and um and so I took their their whiskey barrel, and I used a process called uh, subi, and I took uh, two cups of honey in a quart jar, three pieces of the whiskey barrel, and I sous vide it for um, 130 degrees for three hours. And the once that honey cooled down, it had the flavor of that whiskey barrel. Now I've done two processes. Mm. I've done it to where I've sous vide it. And I also have just poured the honey over and let it sit with that whiskey barrel, the pieces to go, okay, right. Incorporate that flavor. And what's this awesome process of sous vide, I was able to incorporate that flavor instantly into that honey where it took me almost a month, month and a half to get that flavors. So you're picking up that, that whiskey you're picking up that charred wood you're picking up the notes also that you're going to taste in that tennessee tennessee black and tan whiskey and stuff so so yeah yeah um it's honoring southern food with creativity so it's like i said taking cornmeal and and, and converting it into a, a cracker you know um this has taken me many years I, I still don't feel like i've mastered it because there are some days when these crackers are temperamental but um, but I make a cracker that's thin, crispy like a cracker, but when you pop it in your mouth, it tastes just like cornbread. So, hmm. so yeah. Interesting. So, so spicy pimento cheese, smoked peanuts, whiskey honey, and, and cornbread crackers. So So do you do when you when someone contracts you to come out to their place and uh, do a meal with them, um do you set the uh, menu or do they have a say in it or how much of like their input do you let like how much of their input do you take? Um, I usually take inputs on. Uh, so I'll say this is that usually we talk about the protein for the entree because mm-hmm. uh, sometimes that can actually make well, not actually that will make the cost per person either go up or or sure. stay I have, a, I have a usually a set fee per person for for me to come out uh and 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 because if you go i mean i could be serving like a beautiful angus beef you know for the entree but mm-hmm. if you were to go you know what hey i've been wanting to try wagyu 
you know, and, and I have <laughs> beautiful sources for American Wagyu and some great farms here locally that's doing American Wagyu. But I mean, the price difference is um, twenty five yeah. for his Angus a pound and for fillet, and it's about eighty right now for for American Wagyu. So, so I mean, so you can kind of understand. It, I think. Them deciding on that protein for the entree, and normally, not yet. Yeah, normally, uh, my my clients or my guests or you know, my, the host will actually uh, let me have the creative freedom, because a lot of times I can say, "Hey, this is what I served last week," and I can send them a menu and say, "This is what I served last week," because I normally will know depending on that menu I served last week, I know that next week I'm going to be able to get that from the farmer's markets for that. But a lot of times it will change. You know, a lot of times it will change. And and people know, I mean, through – here's the thing. is like I have never advertised about my business. Right. It's all word of mouth. And so, so normally through word of mouth, people have gone, his meal was amazing. Da-da-da-da. You know, and so normally people allow me to have that creative freedom to go because they know that that I'm not going to par, you know. So in return, it usually is dietary restrictions. Right. Like I have a dinner in a couple of weeks that um, three of the guests don't eat pork and I incorporate a lot of pork into my into my meals. And one of the ladies is uh, allergic to shellfish. So so that is a lot of times defers my my meals is usually dietary restrictions okay yeah so. i was just curious like i didn't know if they were like hey i'd like a uh you know the dessert should be like uh you know an upgraded pop tart kind of thing and you come up with something or whatever and i do and a lot of times if the if the desserts ever change it's usually because um it's a birthday yeah. That's usually good. Sometimes I won't like they want the traditional birthday cake, and they'll go get a cake from a bakery or or I'm, <laughs> I can make cakes. So sometimes, uh, you know, if I was going to do, uh, you know, like a say like a awesome buttermilk tart and everything like that, you know, in mm-hmm. return, um, I might instead of doing it, I might do like I said something more traditional for a birthday and stuff. But but not often times. I mean, they allow me the creative freedom to go to go. So. Yeah, that that's nice. I mean, I'm sure that like, you know, I'm sure you prefer it that way rather than someone telling you I want this or whatever, and um, you have to, you know, come up with like you have you have to prepare to what they want versus whatever you want. I mean, I know. yeah, that's that's the, that's the thing about it. You're you you if you're if you're contacting me, you're not contacting me because. You know, you, you had to. You're contacting me because you wanted to, right? And that's a big difference. You you want you wanted to contact me because you heard about my dining experience. So 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 like I said, nine out of ten people, uh, you know, you're always going to have that one. But nine out of ten people <laughs> are, are 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 contacting me because they want to have that dining experience. They want me to be creative. They want to, to experience what you know coming into and, and, and going back to the trailer i mean um so we 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 got the trailer in um i guess 2021 uh we it took us from the time of the first probably welded piece of metal which was in january uh 2021 uh we received it in june of 2021 we brought it from charleston to uh 
to Nashville, and uh, we took a couple months, and we kind of uh, worked out all the kinks, and you know, and refined everything. And then, like I said, uh, I guess September we started. Um, we kind of did like soft openings and kind of uh, dinners with friends and family. And then October we started booking, and it's just been full speed since. And um, but a lot of, going back to the trailer. I mean, it's like there was a lot, lot to it. I mean, you, you, as Corey was saying earlier, you. you you're standing on the outside of it and you're looking at it and it looks like this cool retro trailer, which I mean, so many people come up to me and go, Hey, what, what, what kind of trailer was this that you converted? You know? And I'm like, Oh, it's not, you know? So, so I, I feel like we check, we, we, we achieved that. Of it looks like a retro trailer. Right. Um, and then once you open the door is I open the door, there's things that people did not suspect at all. I mean, they, um, and, and one of the things is that also I want to do too is I, I wanted to, to constantly always involve, evolve. I wanted to evolve, meaning that if you guys, if I hosted a dinner with you next week, I want maybe six months down the road if we host another dinner, it looks different. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean different; it's totally different. You can tell it's the same trailer, but I also know through through restaurant design. There was things that I can, there's ways I can change decor. Uh, number one, through decoration. Number uh, number two, through paintings. And, and a lot of times through lighting. Uh, lighting lighting right now is totally different. I mean, if you've gone into any, any type of lighting uh, studio, you can tell, but also by studios that are creating, you know, like um, at my restaurant, I had above my chef's counter a chandelier that was made with number one, um, it was like like a piece of a chicken feeder off of a farm, right. uh, and 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 then coming down from that, were in my travels I found um, attachments to commercial mixers. So all these attachments to commercial mixers, and as they hung down at different you know different um, heights, I then a beautiful Edison bulbs in the center of it. So I mean, this this piece of this this light was you know a fixture was a piece of artwork, and so I knew that I could change that by so in the middle of the table I could change by lighting, I could totally and then artwork that I could have on the wall um, that I could change the look on, and then and then if you come into the kitchen, um, one thing I guess we haven't talked about, which was a big thing, was uh, the table. You know, it's, it's, uh, I, David, David, can I stop you there for one second? I just want to make sure like we're, you know, we're at an hour. So I just want to make sure everybody's okay. And, uh, you know, we want to continue and Corey, you doing okay? No, I'm great. All right. I'm just, okay. I'm, I'm listening in. I love it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, Kat. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> Ask a question and I talk. All right. All sorry. Right. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to make sure everyone was okay. Um, awesome. Yeah. So the table. So there were um, guy here locally. He has a company called Saldos and Whiskey, and um, he brings these beautiful exotic woods all in from uh, from South America. And um, and so when we first approached, him, like, hey, we're going to need a 16 foot long table. And I said, you might not be able to accommodate that. And he kind of laughed because his biggest piece of lumber at the time was over 26 feet long. 
So there was no doubt that he could make a dining room table. And that was the thing about it was we wanted this dining room table also be a focal point too. So to, to, I tell people all the time, it's a piece of artwork. Um, it's just beautiful. And the grain and the colors and the textures. And, and then there's little little areas, a pocket, where they had to fill it with a little bit of resin because of the little spaces that, you know, in, in, that was in the wood and the tree and stuff. So that's really great, too, when people find that and everything. But um, so uh, he also did uh, shelves for me um, in the kitchen. And so... In the kitchen, they're, 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 the decor that's on the shelves are really – it's really about me. You know, it's like my favorite cookbooks, you know, some of my favorite utensils. Uh, you know, uh, we, we do a little makeshift bar for people for the evening and everything like that. So um, – and we have a, I have a lot of antique, like, um, seltzer guns and, and, you know, seltzer bottles and things like that. So um, – and, you know, one of the big things is there's a – a whiskey decanter that's the head of the bust of Elvis. And if you follow me on Instagram, you know, this week I was, I posted a, uh, posted with a picture of that decanter. And I said, um, you know, uh, I cook with a King every time in, in, in the trailer and stuff. So, mm-hmm. so it's really going back to that. It's about you, that dining experience and about you feeling comfortable and just feeling inviting and warm and like you're in the kitchen, just kind of cooking with me, you know, because it's notorious for people to get up in the middle of the dinner and walk back to the kitchen and, and ask questions and talk about stuff and everything. So, so yeah. Hmm. Do you encourage that or do you like get the hell out of Oh there? yeah. <laughs> no, we, no, we, to- we, to- we totally do. We totally do. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's that's one of the things about me is a lot of times people think they are disturbing me. But, I, you know, a lot of times I will let them know if, like I said, the start of the dinner. It's like, look, if you want to get up, you want to talk, you want to, you know, um, come up and ask a question, you know, about something. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's kind of your little, you know, yeah. haven for the for the evening and stuff. So so definitely. Cat. Oh, yeah, so I, I have some of the logistical kinds of questions. Like, okay. <laughs> um, so you take this, you transport this to the property of whoever is hosting uh, the party for that evening. Um, so how is it powered? And, um, you know, are there circumstances where, uh, certain locations won't work out for you, like uh, because you you can't, you know, they don't have the space or, um, you know, what is needed. So if you want to book one of these, what? So it's definitely self sufficient. So meaning okay. that we can take it out in the middle of the field and we can have a farm to table dinner. Now our joke is that it's not farm to table anymore. Now it's table to the farm. So um, we can take it out to breweries, distilleries, do uh, dinners, you know, with um, paired together with, you know, that brewery's beer for the evening or distilleries, uh, alcohol or, or even vineyards, uh, wine for the evening. Um, we are, I would say probably most of our parties we're going out to are, are going to residents. And yes, we do have that situation. I, I'd say the biggest thing we we a lot of times will s- kind of scope out, scout out 
you know, wherever we're going, that address. But definitely we do have that situation. I mean, we pulled up this beautiful house um, not long ago, and, and it was just like we could not get into the front driveway because of their their um, kind of the uh, degree of their driveway because we would scrape. And then we could not get into their back gate because it just – their gate went very – like almost like into one lane really quickly. So there's just no way we could take that turn because the trailer is, the trailer is 30 feet long. Now with the tongue, it's seven feet. So in all our, our trailers are 37 feet long. And then, and then I'm pulling it with a, uh, a dually Ram. So that puts me over 50 feet long. And so, so yeah, so logistically sometimes we have that situation and so for that evening, we're all sitting there. We have this party booked. We definitely don't want to cancel. So the host comes out and we talk about it really quickly. And we decide it was okay with her, her neighbors and everything. We just parked it right in the cul-de-sac. And they, the evening, they walked down to the trailer. They came in. They had their dinner. And they walked right back to the house. And, <laughs> and I think the number one thing that we hear all the time is it's the greatest thing. Because if you... Even if you had a chef come in for the evening and do a dinner in your house where he or she cooked in your kitchen and served six courses, you know, on your dining room table, there's some way, some way you're going to, in some way you're going to see that there was going to be trace of that. You had 13 people there that evening and 13 people ate in your house. The greatest thing about that is that we say that there's three things you have to, that you have to provide. Number one, yourself. Number two, uh, the physical location, you know, where it's going to be a private property. And then number three is if you're going to consume alcohol for the evening, you know, and, and, and then after that, we provide everything else. And so people walk out, they have a six course meal, like at a fine dining restaurant, they walk right back in their house and they never feel like they've ever entertained 13 guests during that evening whatsoever. So, 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 um, we, we do have, we have, have a generator that powers us. Um, uh, we also have propane that powers or that uh, powers all of our equipment as far as like kitchen equipment. We do have, so we have a pretty well commercial kitchen in there. We have a four burner stove. We have a standard oven, a standard oven, meaning that we can put a standard size sheet pan, a full sheet pan in there. Uh, we do have flat top. We also have, um, a fryer. And then we have vent hood system, which that was a big thing too, was really figuring out the vent hood because of this reason. So we're going to think about the trailer. The trailer is 30 feet long. One third of it's the kitchen and the other two thirds of it's dining. That third to two thirds is not, there's not a wall. There's nothing that stops you in the kitchen and dining room. So it's an open kitchen concept. So as we know, kitchen equipment gets warm so in the dining room you have to have it climate controlled so so what we had to do was figure out the idea of my vent hood system not fighting air conditioning system meaning that my vent hood system is pulling out all my cold air and just spitting it out you know and so it was trying to figure it out so put a awesome amazing makeup air system in there meaning that's recycling circulating the air so it's bringing that air back in out all the 
everything I don't want, like the heat and the and the, and the, the 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 smell and the scent and all that stuff that's pulled out from with a normal Vinod system. So we have Vinod system, and then we have a refrigeration system, and then also a sink with water in there and that. So, so we have a full full kitchen, full kitchen, and like I said, everything is all powered. We need that's probably the number one question we get. One of the questions we get asked is that, um, what do I have to provide? And you don't, as far as anything, uh, we do, uh, we have a local part of there's made pottery for us. We have all the, the glassware for the evening for you to drink with and all the flatware and everything. So every, everything's provided, everything's provided. All you have to do is just come on board. So, so logistically, we we have sometimes that situation to where we have to, like I said, scout out an area to make sure that we're going to fit. But if we don't, I mean, we always can, like I said, park it in some type of area to where you can walk down to it and everything. Like that. So, so is it uh, wheelchair accessible? We're not wheelchair accessible. I mean, we we are big enough to be able to get a wheelchair. Um, I just don't have ramps and everything like that. So, um, but we could potentially, you know, lift, I guess if somebody really, you know, if somebody wanted to come on board, we definitely have enough room to, for them to maneuver in the trailer. Definitely. We just would have to figure out how to get their wheelchair into the trailer. So is that something that you might be looking into in the future? Of I definitely our- would. Yeah, no, I definitely would. Yes, yes, yes. So you can have 13, 13 people. Is that that's your maximum um, party size? Mm-hmm. Um, so what are the most common things that, uh, mo- is it mostly just uh, friend dinner parties or uh, do people have like um, other occasions that they, they book for? Well, I mean, I would say the massive the massive of my dinners right now that I'm doing is is definitely residential. We're 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 pulling out to to residents and we're doing thirteen either close friends or family members and doing a, a private dinner and that's in 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 that situation. Um, now we are seeing other things that we're doing uh, corporate events uh, to where we have done like um, I mean. As we know, I live in Nashville, Tennessee, so the music industry is very strong in this town. So we've gone and done like things for management groups to where it might be something promotional for a new artist or a CD release or this and that. So definitely we're seeing thing, things like that. But I would say mass of my parties are going out to residents and doing dinners. Now, going back to some of the initial – going back to the initial meeting of, of us when we built this trailer – I mean, one of the biggest things about this trailer is that when I was meeting with Gorilla Fabrication, I said, I want to have the ability to where I can go. And what I mean by go, meaning that if I wanted to, if I had a chef friend, as we know right now, what's trending is pop-up restaurants. And if I wanted, if I had a friend in Austin, Texas, that said, hey, let's do a pop-up restaurant for a week, two weeks in Austin come down. I can, I can go, I can go. So that's the thing is the greatest thing about this is that this restaurant can travel. It can go anywhere. 
if I wanted to take it to LA, I could take it to LA. If I wanted to take it to Austin, Texas, I could take it to Austin, Texas. If I wanted to go to New York City, I could go to New York City. If I wanted to go to Miami, Florida, I could go to Miami, Florida. I can take this restaurant wherever. I just have to work out the logistics of the traveling with it. But it has the capability of going where, wherever, wherever. So. So do you find that, um, because I guess in a way COVID kind of, um, you know, had a, a major impact on chefs and careers and restaurants. And do you find people are more comfortable being able to finally get together um, in, um, you know, a, a more contained setting where they know the vaccination status or health status or whatever is important? Yeah. Do you find that people feel more comfortable? Um, they do. They they love the comfort level of it, and not only that, they also love. I mean, then that that intimacy. You know, it's the comfort level of being with people that they know, and then also the intimacy of being with the people they they know. So that. So so definitely, I, I do see I do see that. But then also, I mean, we're seeing also the reason why I feel like our our business concept is working is because it's something different no one has has ever seen this and and people ask me they go they go well what what's your biggest hurdles what are you seeing and i think that the biggest thing that i'm seeing is that every time we take it out it's a learning experience and the reason why i say that is because i have friends i can call about a food truck friends that have owned food trucks what was your pros what was your cons you know what 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 you know, tell me, tell me, what, what, what did you see? What went wrong the first year? What went wrong the second year? What, you know, tell me what your pros and cons are with a food truck. I can call friends that own restaurants and say, what's your pros, your cons? What happened in your first year, your second year, your third year, your 10th year? They can all answer that question, but I can't call anybody right now and go, what, what what's your pros and cons? What happened in your first year, your second year, third year of, of, a mobile restaurant that people dine in. I, I don't, ha- I don't have anybody I really can call, you know? So, so, so every, like I said, every time I go out with it, it's, it's a learning experience. It's figuring, figuring it out and everything like that. Like, I mean, a little bit, I feel like I'm writing a book, you know, a little bit. So. Um. So do you, you think there's going to be lots of these? Like, do you have any, uh, franchise ideas or um i don't know if it's going to be a franchise idea but i i what i think it might be is it actually might be to where we're more um kind of doing like teaching the logistics of right you know more saying you know this is this is the fabricator this is where you kind of doing um kind of teaching people more how to do it instead, you know, than, than, than being a fr- franchise. But we, we definitely have that ability and, and it was also thought, you know, because, I mean, we did Foodsmith Nashville, you know, it's no reason why we couldn't have Foodsmith Austin or Foodsmith LA or Foodsmith this and everything. But I mean, one of the things that I feel like the reason why this has a possibility of trending in the food service industry is because there, there's two things. Number one, the, 
the starting capital to get this going is is not even going to be a it's it's going to be a fraction of what it would take to have starting capital to open up a restaurant. I mean, most people don't know that. Most people don't understand exactly how much financially it takes to open up a restaurant. And believe me, we have a term we have a t we have a uh, term in the industry called turn and key. For me to turn and key to to do my first party, like I said, is a fraction of what it would cost to have a restaurant. That's number one. Number two is I don't have the overhead that a chef has. The normal overhead that, that it, it takes to run a, to run a restaurant. Uh, being there's 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 a quote out there that says that uh, a great restaurant makes about eleven cents on a dollar. You know, so there's a lot of overhead that it takes wow. to run a restaurant, and I and, and and I don't have that overhead. I mean, one of the biggest things I don't have right now that I think not only just people in the restaurant industry it's battling with. But everybody is battling with is hard help. I don't have to have the hard help. You know, I have two people that 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 work with me. I have I have um, a young lady that does a lot of the wait staff for me and everything, and then I have a gentleman that um, that is more kind of like a an assistant chef to me. And the greatest thing I have with those two people is they've worked with me long enough to know the ins and outs you know they sometimes know what i'm thinking before i think it and and that's amazing that's amazing to me so 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 i don't have like i said the worries and the overhead that that a normal person would have with owning a restaurant because i'll be honest with you pre-covid if anybody ever said they own it want to own a restaurant i usually put my hand on their head and they'd kind of like jerk back and go what are you doing i'm just like making sure you're not running a fever (laughs) 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 they go what do you mean i go uh why do you want to open up a restaurant you know and and you know most people go well all my friends and family say i cook it and i said well cooking for you know friends and family six to eight people and cooking for 200 people in an evening is two different situations and so, so it's it's so funny to hear people that say they want to open up a restaurant that never have had any type of food service restaurant experience whatsoever and everything because, believe me, it's it's not what people people think. You know, I always say I love the Food Network because it has made people foodies that we never would expected to become foodies, but then it also has given a glitz and glamour, has made a chef a celebrity. Where people go, I want to be a chef. I want to open up a restaurant, but then in return, they don't understand what it takes. You know, the hours. You know, I'm working weekends. I'm working holidays. You know, uh, I mean, when I say long hours, I mean I've worked. I've worked in my career. One one point in my career, I worked close to 100 hours a week. You know, you know. So, um, I think that's another thing I love about about foodsmith is it, it's given me it's also given me a family life too um in the past i owned two restaurants and i owned forklift and then i owned a, another restaurant called butterbean which was a biscuit and coffee shop and i was there six days a week and i went at eight o'clock in the morning and i left at 11 o'clock at night. you know and that was my life that was my life and so um with foodsmith i can kind of call my shots I can work as much or as little as I want. And, um, you know, I averagely do around about two dinners a week. You know, I could do 
probably more if I wanted to, but and also at the same time, it also gives me time to spend with my, because my two biggest accomplishments is not anything that I've done in my career. It's my two boys, uh, a 13 year old and a three year old, and which is a little difficult right now having a toddler and a teen, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but they're definitely my two greatest accomplishments, and and I and I love it because that's what Foodsmith has given me the time to actually kind of be home because we normally stay within a 50 mile radius to um to uh nashville so normally when i'm done with a dinner i'm coming home you know we're coming we're parking we have a facility that we park park our uh trailer at and i park it and I, and, and then five minutes later i'm at my house and i'm calling bed and i'm getting up in the morning and i'm spending time on my weekends. so so and that's that's a that's a great thing really great well, I think uh, one question everyone yes. will be asking is, uh, you know, what is the price range for an evening of this uh, mobile dining experience? It's... I know it depends on what you choose or what you're, you know, what you discuss. But, you know, like roughly, um, if you could give us a range of. I mean, right. I mean, it's it all. It like I said, it all differs on on, on exactly what you're wanting. But I mean, for for an evening, it's averagely right now running about one twenty five a guest, is what it's it's running, and and then that's for like I said for six courses. So that's averagely right now what it's what it's what my dinners are. So, but we have a, we also have a minimum you have to meet for the evenings, but so and that's a thousand dollars. So. Yeah. So, um, so, so you could have two guests or you could have, you could have 13 guests as long as you, as long as you meet that minimum. Cause I mean, we've had parties where we actually had that. We had a, with somebody that just, he wanted him and his wife in there and that was it. That was it. And all that mattered was he met, he met his, he met the, you know, price the minimum for the evening stuff right so um we definitely uh, if anything that's outside of our 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 radius of uh 50 miles of nashville we definitely have other fees too and stuff so um sure. so that roughly that's where we are now so sure well i mean i think that's that's really uh, very reasonable uh, you know for the experience that you offer it's it seems great. Um, Definitely. I mean, and, and, it's, and, and that's, I think, what we hear mo- more than anything else is we hear from from people going after after the dinner, they go, wow, you know, I for for this experience, I could have gone out. And, you know, because, I mean, that's the thing about it is, is I mean, as we all know this, it's, it's, not, it's not cheap. To, it's not it's not it's not cheap to eat out anymore. You know, so so am I a day to day situation? No, I'm not a day to day situation. But but in return, when the people have that dining experience, they say, I could have gone here and spent that much. And and this this dining experience was amazing. Thank you so much. Well, uh, so, Kat, one last question. Corey, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Um, You've asked two questions. I need a third one. How about that? A third question. Okay. If I were to come to Nashville with a group of friends or my family, how would I go about getting in touch with you and then booking an event for this experience? 
Great question, Corey. Great question. (laughs) That is the number one thing that we are dealing with. We are not a set location. So all our parties are done by a private location. So that is, that is uh, how many parties I've turned away due to that is that I'm coming to Nashville. I want to have your dining experience, but then I have to say, do you have a private, private residence? Because that's the biggest thing is that we have to be on a private residence because most, we allow BYOB. And so we allow, allow our, 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 our guests to bring, bring, bring on. And, and we do, we have to be on private residence because a lot of those issues of that. And so, and so that's the biggest thing is that we don't have a set place to where we're set up. Now, I'm not saying that that might not happen in the future, that we have that, but at this point right now in our business model, we don't, we don't, it's, it's all by, you know, if, if, if people are traveling into Nashville, they normally know somebody and they're hosting it at somebody they might know in Nashville. So, so great so question. That was, that was my question. Like, is that by doing this on private property, I would imagine, you know, if you weren't doing that, there's tons of like hurdles to jump through with like health department and licensing and all of these like permits. And, and that was my, my other question you know, have you experienced that or because it's on private property, it's a little bit more your own pace and you can do the BYOB. Yeah. So, so we don't, we don't see as much. Um, it's like, like you said, if we, if we were a food service business and everything, we don't see as many restrictions because we're on a, on a private property. But what, what, but what we have done is we have every shape and form have followed to the standards that a restaurant might need or better yet the standards of a food truck a food truck mm-hmm. now they might change every um every state we, we follow to our state um one of the biggest things is like years ago you a food truck would have to have a three compartment sink we don't have food trucks don't have to have a three compartment sink anymore in our state due to if they have a certificate showing that they're going back to a health inspected kitchen to kind of reset. And I tell people all the time, that is my biggest thing is the reset button is to read the set button. If, um, if I have a dinner on back to back nights, it's getting ready for the next night. That's the biggest thing mm-hmm. is getting ready for the next night. Because I mean, you can, you can think about this, uh, six courses and there's 13 people and there's a plate for every course. So in the night, we have a lot of dishes. We have a lot of dishes. It has to be rewashed because we um, use a lot of local pottery. And if you know anything about local pottery, is local pottery can kind of kind of be expensive, you know. So, um, but you're paying for that. You're paying for that that that, that workmanship and that the artistry and that. And we and we totally support some of our local potters, and we carry. But we have to rewash that because we don't have an inventory to where we could do back to back to back to back dinners and everything that yet. Now, I'm not saying that won't happen and stuff, but, but, um, but yes, we, we, we don't follow as normal, but we have, we have 
on commissary that we can go and reset the button with. Uh, we, we, I, I'm, I'm certified in SurfSafe, you know, so we have followed everything that we need to follow that we would have to have no matter if we are on uh, private property. Um, because yes, yes, if we were, if we weren't on private property, there would be a lot of other things that we have to, I mean, one of the, one of the biggest things is uh, the little town I'm out of. I mean, we had to get a business license out of this town. And so it was getting, getting the person that was going to issue that license to us to understand exactly what we were to figure out what type of license we needed. You know, are you a food truck? I'm no, you know, no, sir. No, sir. We're not a food truck. We're not a food truck. What are you? I was like, we're look, tra- we're tra- you're a food trailer. Right? You're, no, sir. Not a food trailer. No, it's just trying to get them. And finally, I was like, a catering license can we get a catering license because i mean i guess in a nutshell that's kind of what we are we're going on private property and catering a party so finally let's get him to understand that we're we just need a catering license so you see yeah and, and another thing is too is i mean like if i were, were to go down in downtown nashville i mean there's permits and all kind of other things that i have to get to where if i'm strictly staying on private property i'm not i'm not mm-hmm. so so there's a way less headache being on private property than, than being on public property. Okay, so what I'm hearing is go stay with my family in Nashville, and we will call you up and say, okay, come to our house, and we yes. want this experience, which we right. might do in the future. <laughs> but what you have to also do is you have to bring honey and... <laughs> I got you. I bring you honey and whatever else you want. Tomatoes. <laughs> Tomatoes. Yeah, we have the greenhouse and the, the hens. We're, we're, we're getting into... Uh, lamb too that that's coming up so wow. yeah i just i do love that you're doing the the farm to table and you know supporting those local farmers i think that's awesome i'm doing it i'm in a couple in i guess middle of february middle of february i'm actually traveling i'm, I'm actually going about three way three about three hours away from here and i've booked the whole week and but one of the nights um the is a birthday for this lady and her son owns he has an organic farm um and that that does csas and stuff and so one of the big things for that evening is is that um we are sourcing a lot of our local agriculture here in middle tennessee but then when we get there we're actually going to go to his farm and source a lot of because he only does uh mostly vegetables some fruit but mostly vegetables but we're sourcing all his vegetables and some fruit for the evening so when i come out and talk and i say hey we're doing this collard green salad we're using collard greens from her her son's farm so so definitely i love it when people will tell me all the time it's like we get to residents and they go hey i have an herb garden over there if you want anything for the evening I'm like yeah you know, if we're, and I'm out there snipping, snipping their herbs. And, mm-hmm. and then that night I'm using it in their dinner and I'm going, oh, these are, you know, like I use a lot of microgreens in my, in my, in my dinners and everything. And, and my three-year-old, we, we, we grow the microgreens. So it's fun in the middle of my dinners to go, oh, these micro, these micro collards were grown by my three-year-old, you know? So, <laughs> so that's really, really fun, you know? So, so definitely, uh, Yes, come to Nashville, but bring me bring me some product to cook. I will bring you. I'll bring you product, and I think what I hear when you say that it's yeah. That, I love to hear like your three year old grew those, but more than that, it shows me that you really are passionate about what you do, like with the stories and 
and the fact that you you know you can go and say hey i use her earth in this you know in this dish so, i just you're super passionate i love it so i i was i was in high school and i was there for a career fair and um and i said this i go um i really could care less if you became a chef and you could see the career <laughs> woman's <laughs> mouth drop to the floor because I'm supposed to be there to speak as a chef, you know? And I said, I could really care less if you became a chef. What I really care about is, is you seeing my passion and love for what I do and you finding that too. That's what matters to me is finding something you love and doing it day in and day out and, and not, I said, I know so many people that are like, oh, work, you know, they hate, <laughs> they hate it, <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh, work, I'm going to work. And it's like, no, no, I can't wait to wait to go work. And not all 10 times I'm, I can't fall asleep at night. I suffer from insomnia because my mind won't stop racing about thinking about, the next idea or how I'm going to incorporate whiskey into honey, you know, and, um, I mean, it's like, you know, so, so, so yes, I, I love what I do. Uh, and and, and I, I always hope that everybody can find, find that. So definitely. I, awesome. How far out are you booked now? I mean, like if I wanted I'm to into a... March, I'm, I'm into March and then I'm start, I, and then I'm kind of spotty. I'm, um, Right now into March, I'm booking March up right now, and then I have somebody that's you know just called me about May, you know. So if I can look six months out and I can start seeing months where I have one here and one here and one here, but um, we're getting ready to do um, some PR and a local magazine, which I've already told my wife that once that happens, we will be probably yeah. booked out, yeah. booked out three, four, maybe even six months out and everything. So um, one thing that we found out that we just kind of were like, oh, we can do pop-up restaurants and we can go out to residents and breweries and distilleries and kind of do these private dinners. But one thing we didn't really think about was we're in the music capital of the world. And um, we just recently went and met with a company that was pretty well, that pretty well said this. I had cooked at this gentleman's house um, as, as, as a private, as a, as a personal chef and everything right. came into his house and did a private dinner. And, um, and he told me, he said, Hey, come up, come up to my company. So we went up to his company and everything that he has tour buses and he has tour bus company. And he just kind of walked around and talked about, you know, that whole side of the industry and everything. And, and he just pretty well told me, he says, I see there's a market. The market for you is that you could be a personal chef that follows a tour that follows a tour mm. and because you have the capability to travel and he said literally your trailer could pull right up to one of my buses with one of this music acts and you could cater to he and she's needs to their every need it's bad you know and you would make you would make management groups life easy because now each city or wherever you're going, you know exactly what he or she is eating and you're catering to exactly what they want. Not only that, he said, he said also I could see a lot of music acts or um, uh, some a lot of these artists are, are trying to have a family life on, on the road too. It's about their family's going down the road with them. He said, so this could be their dining room table. 
you know, where they could have family dinner each night, right. you know? So, um, so it's really endless of what I think we can do and, and, and our capability and everything. But I mean, at the end of the day, we are a mobile restaurant, you know, that literally that can come to you or can go wherever you would like to see it. So. Cool. Cat. <laughs> All right, to my last question. Um, All right, Kat. Does Make your, it good. Um, your, your teenager show any interest in the food career? No. <laughs> <laughs> not, at, not at all. Uh, my three-year-old shows, shows more interest. He he, a great kid, uh, very artsy, um, uh, loves to skateboard, it's got shoulder length hair, you know, just, he is his own self, but yeah. no, he, I mean, he, he, he likes to get in the kitchen with me. I mean, I, he'll every so often we'll, we'll go to the farmer's market together, but no, my three-year-old is, is there. He is right in the middle of everything. He, I think my wife got me the greatest gift last year for Christmas. She got me this stool that he literally can, it's like two steps up and he's up in this stool that puts him like level to our island at our, at our house. And he's constantly there with me all times, you know? And, and, and the greatest thing about him is that he, he, um, like I can get in, the, I can get in there and I can cook, do, I can go through a recipe that might take an hour, hour and a half. He's there with me. So he's not like there with me for 15 seconds. I mean, he's there with me for an hour. I mean, we, we made it, we made a cake the other day. Uh, like I said, if you follow me on Instagram, you, the boys wanted cake. And so I had, I made this, uh, cake that was kind of like a upside down cake, but we used blood oranges. So the boys called it, uh, sunshine cake what they called it but i mean he was there every step with me you know because we didn't we didn't we uh, we didn't open a box you know we did everything from scratch and stuff so so yeah but you know it's 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 that experience it's that experience that i that i have with them you know no matter what everything that i mean my 13 year old coming in the kitchen with me my three-year-old coming in the kitchen with me i mean last night we sat down we actually ate dinner we ate dinner uh, at the dining room table, you know, which most most people don't do. It's bad, but it's that that ex, that ex, that time and that experience that I'm having with those boys. It's gonna make them food making great. memories. There, yeah, <laughs> the greatest memories are created through food <laughs> or preserved through food. So yeah, exactly. So, All right, definitely. Uh, so. Corey, one last thought. One last thought. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. so I, I have a question for you. So you, for me. you yeah, for you. <laughs> so okay. you, you were in, you were in the education. So yes. are, do you have a new career path now or, or what are you doing? I, I, I don't know. Thinking about it. <laughs> okay. We, I, I taught for 10 years. Well, this, this was my, this is my ninth year. So almost 10 years in education and I really enjoyed it. And um, like the food industry, COVID has just, changed things and you know we in education and and Kat was a teacher too like they I don't feel you truly learn until you're in the classroom and like they prepare you as much as possible like my teachers in college and like student teaching like I I was prepared to be in the classroom but nobody knew this was going to happen like this was just totally out of left field and and it changed 
so much more than I think what people realize. Um, And so for me, one thing that I was reminded of constantly is nobody can take your degree. So if you decide to go back to the classroom one day, that's, that's okay. But I really, like I envy your passion. Like you're so passionate about what you do. And it got to the point where I would wake up and I got to go to my job. Like, you know, so, and I, I just didn't want to be in that, in that situation. So I, I'm exploring some ideas. I do love being on the forum. That's something we kind of talked about before, you know, um, you hopped on the call. I was talking to Matt and Kat about that. So maybe something in that direction. I really do enjoy working on our farm. So we'll great chef in the industry. He he writes he writes um he wrote a column for many years and then he started doing it on his on his website. And um, one of the things he wrote about uh, not long ago was about how New Orleans New Orleans is such a food mecca city. And he talked about the COVID and how it how it changed it. You know, he said New Orleans went through has gone through so many tragedies. You know, Katrina being one of the biggest ones, and and, and that city rebuilt. And there was restaurants were staples that came back after Katrina, and restaurants that are closing because of Katrina, and and it's not going to come back. And so yeah, it, it, COVID made a total change and there's things that we're having to do different now and the industry and everything. But um, I think the number one thing I say to people all the time, because they always ask me, it's like, it's like uh, culinary, culinary structures will always ask me this. They'll always ask me if there's anything that you can tell our students. And I say, yeah, check, check your ego at the door, you know, check your ego at the door and always know that you can learn something. And, you know, that every day you're going to learn something different. I had a chef one time that told me, he said, the reason why I love being a chef is because every day I learn something. Um, in front of the culinary students, I usually hold up an apple and I ask them the question. I go, what is this? Well, they'll freeze up and they think it's a trick question. I'm going, look, not a trick question. Just ask, what is this? <laughs> so finally they'll go, Apple. And I go, yes, it's an apple. Okay, so so tell me how many different types of apples there are. And they'll say one, you know, or ten, or a hundred, or a thousand, or this not. So so there's, there's over seventy five hundred different varieties of apples in the world. And so I try to tell them that's like you at seventeen or eighteen, and if you, tomorrow you decide to eat an apple, learn everything about it, and go to the next apple probably in your lifetime, you won't scratch the surface of learning everything about apples. So that's what I tell people all the time. Just like that chef told me, he says, I love being a chef because every day I learn something because there's over a thousand different types of bananas, over a thousand different types of, uh, you know, avocados, over a thousand different types of mangoes. So there's all these things that you can learn. So it's always, always about learning. So I always say, check your ego at the door and know that you're always going to learn something. And another thing is anybody in the food industry that normally goes, okay, or somebody that's going, hey, I'm thinking about opening up a restaurant or I'm thinking about opening up a food truck or I'm thinking about doing this. They always say, what advice do you have? And I always tell them to keep it simple. Mm-hmm. You know, simplicity is the best. Um, when I owned owned two restaurants, um, I had butter. I had forklift, which was more of a kind of fine dining. It's it like a 50 seater, and and we had a full bar there. We were kind of known uh, for a whiskey bar. We had um, close to 200 different American whiskeys and bourbons at any given time. So, um, and then we had beautiful chef counter. I mean, just a beautiful restaurant. But then what I did was when I was building that restaurant, I did an easement to where I had a kitchen 
that kind of could also work with each other. And so this was kind of the bake shop. And then we had the open kitchen concept for, for forklift over here. But then Butterbean was a biscuit coffee shop. I would tell people all the time that Butterbean's my love. And the reason why I loved it is because it was a simple concept. It was biscuits. It was coffee. Butter for biscuits, bean for coffee. And I thought also Butterbean sound very Southern. And then most people, that's <laughs> what's funny is we're cat, we're cat, we're talking about this earlier. Most people didn't get the name of Forklift. I was about halfway through my construction and I made a comment. I said, you know, sometimes people have moments they don't get Forklift. And I took a, act like I had a fork and lifted it to my mouth. And, and so the next day, my contractor comes to the site and he goes, I'm going to have to be honest with you. I had a moment because I was trying to figure out why the hell is this guy naming his restaurant <laughs> after <laughs> mechanical equipment and everything like that. So, so I've always, you know, like my first initial res, uh, company was called, was called um, food styling and, and, and then I had forklift and I had butterbean and, and, and now foodsmith and everybody asked, you know, why foodsmith? And I said, well, you know, the old trade term Smith, so I'm kind of trying to coin a new term for a chef, a foodsmith is what I am. So, mm. so that's kind of where that, where that came from. But, but yeah, um, Corey, I'd say if you ever were ever thinking about anything, just simple, you know, focus mm -hmm. on honey, you know, and, and, and making the best honey and how you could do something unique with honey and this and that, but just focus on honey, you know? Yeah. So, so definitely. All right. Well, this has been a, yeah. Really fascinating episode. Uh, I, so I did. I did. I did the tag team situation. God, I did uh, in an hour and a half. Did he do ninety minutes? <laughs> Join questions. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been really really interesting, and uh, you. you know, you like Corey was saying, we I think your passion for what you do has definitely come through, and uh, I can certainly feel it. Um, and I'd really, really like to check out your mobile dining restaurant uh, someday. That would be awesome. Uh, and, and, I, and I think, Matt, what's going to end up happening is if we did another podcast six months down the road, I think the podcast would be, would be totally different. And the reason why that is is because, like I said, this is a learning experience for me because right. it's something innovative. No one else out there has done it. So every time we go out with it, we're learning. We're learning with it. So, so, so what I'm hearing you saying is you want to be on the podcast again in a few months so that we can catch up with you and uh, see how things I, are going. <laughs> we could. We could. Yeah. <laughs> what, what I'm hearing is road trip to Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> the podcast and the food trailer. Oh, that would be so awesome. Now, here's my question is, where is everybody located? We're all, we're all in central Kentucky, uh, okay. right below the Richmond area. Well, I am. They're a little bit farther south, closer to I'm more southeastern. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you're Kentucky, too, you said? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. I mean, either that or we might just have to bring us Kentucky. I mean, I always look for reasons to come to Kentucky. I'll be honest with you. I'm I'm, I'm, fond, I'm fond of that brown water that y'all got that you guys create. <laughs> hey, come come to the farm. Yeah. You know? yeah, Corey, there's a great idea. Yeah, and come to the farm. Wow, you know I what? Think so. I, I think what we should do is uh, talk about uh, 
setting up a time for you to come and figuring out the logistics of that and all chipping in to uh, make that happen. That sounds great to me. Sounds totally great. So. All right. Awesome. So, uh, yeah. Kat, one, do you have anything else before we... Uh, no, I, I mean... I, I've enjoyed this. I knew I would. I'm very fascinated since the first time I saw it. And uh, I'm just glad that uh, we could have you as a guest today. I know the listeners are going to really enjoy uh, hearing about this. And it's probably going to be something they've never seen or thought of either. I want to thank you. I want to thank you, Kat, for reaching out to me. And and everybody, like I said, um, we do uh, Facebook and Instagram. It's Foodsmith Nashville. And then also you can go on my website. It's foods, foodsmithnashville.com. So. All right. Awesome. And on that note, we will uh, end this episode. And we thank awesome. you all for listening. And we'll talk to you all soon. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can send those to Kat at iWritePlays at Outlook.com or you can write to me at BackstorySessions at gmail.com or Matt at Level11Ventures.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.